Hi, this is Jim Lobato. I'm the president and founder of a company called Performance Group. You're listening to the podcast version of a program that originally aired on BizTalk Radio Show. I started BizTalk so you can have access to today's leading experts about growing your company and yourself. BizTalk is produced by Performance Group, which is in the business of helping the leadership of growth-oriented companies realize their potential. We do this by working with their sales force and helping those individuals discover and develop their unique abilities and then align those abilities with their opportunities. That's why we're known as a Salesforce development company. I hope you enjoy this podcast. On our program today is Jay Forty, author, speaker, and workplace coach, and president of Humanetrics. Jay, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Jim. It's great to be here. For you fans of BizTalk, you'll remember Jay from his book, Fire Up Your Employees and Spoke Your Competition. However, we're not talking about that today. We're going to talk about his new work, Stand Out and Get Hired. So, Jay, you went from one side of the coin, which is working with employees and getting them fired up and smoke the competition, to the other side of the coin, which is helping people get hired. Give me the premise behind what got you started down this path. You know, Jim, when I, when I did all the work for Fire Up Your Employees, that was taking a look at the manager's perspective. But the, the key thinking behind it was how do we help managers identify the talent needed in a particular role so they knew how to source the right people because nowadays in this intellectual workplace, you know, employees perform when they are both intellectually and emotionally connected, and that just means they're good at what they do and they love doing it. So that was the manager's perspective, but then in the middle of all this downsizing and all this layoff and the the funny economy that we had, there were a host of people, millions of people, I think the number is 8 million people, lost their jobs, were downsized or out. Uh, uh, just were, were basically laid off. So that the thinking that was so critical from a manager's standpoint was also really valuable from an employee's standpoint or, or a job seeker's standpoint. And that was when you know what you're fundamentally good at, what you're really good at, and what moves you, those are the best criteria for using and determining what a good job is. And the challenge that most people have is that they keep using skill and experience to determine what jobs they would they, they should be applying for. So they were working for a company, the company shut down or laid them off, and the nature of that job now was discontinued. And I'm thinking mostly about the auto industry up in, up around Detroit. But a lot of the jobs that were up there vanished as jobs. They're not even available anymore. And those people who worked in them, if they think the only jobs they could have are jobs doing things that they've already done before, and those jobs now don't exist, then they're really in a very difficult situation. So my my work with managers and with this focus on talent, it made me think that the right thing that job seekers needed was an understanding that experience and skills help you but are not the prime reason why you're great at something. And it gives you options when the world has taken much of your options away. So that forced me to take some of the research research that I had from a manager standpoint and change its thinking and make it into an interactive tool to help people start to identify what jobs they could be more competitive with and get hired when other people are not hiring. You talk about in your work that there are three things that hire managers want and need. For our audience's sake, what are those three things that hiring managers are looking for? Yeah, they, they, well, I'll, 
Well, let me first tell you what they're not looking for, which is not a gimmick. And, and a lot of what I see people trying to do in order to get noticed, and the reason why I called my resource Stand Out and Get Hired, was to remind people they need to stand out in a way that makes sense for a hiring manager. And so the hiring managers don't want gimmicks. And, and here are some of the wacko things people do. They, they, they say, you know, if you hire me, I will uh, cook dinner for you once a week. I will babysit your kids. I will, um, uh, oh, I've, I've written a rap song, and um, I wanted to share that tells you that, that I'm the right person for the job. I saw the job in a dream, and now I know I'm the right person for the job. They had all this other approach when hiring managers only wanted what you alluded to, three things. They want to know, um, they want to know your talent. They want to know what you're good at. That's really what they want to know. They want to know what you're good at. They want to know how you perform and what value you could bring. So they're looking for fit. Those, those are the three things. What's your fit? How do you perform? And what value are you going to bring? And don't give me anything else. I don't want anything else. Because all of a sudden, if I had 10 or 15 or 30 resumes coming into my company, I now have 10 times as many. And a hiring manager is completely overwhelmed with what's coming in. So now what they need to do is to look at resumes that give them exactly what they need to make the process easy. So all of this thinking was designed to help a job seeker realize that when you know what you're good at and you put it on the face of a resume that tells exactly, tells a a hiring manager exactly what they need to know, you advance the chances of getting noticed. And then since it's so intrinsic to who you are, you're naturally good at it, it puts you in a competitive advantage for that job. And these are some of the things that have changed since when a lot of people had applied for jobs before and now. Many of them are really out of touch with how to get a job in today's intellectual workplace. I imagine it's difficult for someone who has not applied for a job recently to switch gears because you mentioned that most people go back to what is their experience, what is their skills. But your approach is different. So how do you get people to think about what their unique ability is, what they're truly talented in? I generally ask people to answer two questions. Um, What am I really good at? And this is really hard for people because either they have not really spent very much time with themselves looking at that kind of thing, or they're too humble. They're they're saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm not that good at that many things. But this is not a point to be... Uh, this is this is a point where you must spend some time and know what you're good at, and you must be confident about what you're good at. So, so the first question is, what are you good at? And the second thing is, what are you passionate about? Because what hiring managers and companies want are people who are good at what they do and excited to do it well every day. And if you use skill and experience as criteria for determining whether I should hire you or not, Skill and experience doesn't tell me that you're good at it, and it definitely doesn't tell me whether you love it. And those are criteria that I really need in my people in order to ensure that in this day and age of doing more with less, people who are there are actually really performing. So, so, and I know it is a challenge. If your mindset has never looked at what am I intrinsically good at because everybody says you only get hired based on what you've done, it, it's a tough switch. But what I do find is when you can give a couple of examples of what people look like who are really good at it, then people start to say, oh, you know what, I am really good with people. I can connect with anybody, anytime about anything. Or 
I'm really a detail-oriented person. Give me a mess and I can straighten it out in a second. And those are some of the intrinsic brain hardwiring that makes you fundamentally think in certain ways versus other ways. And then you look for jobs that need that kind of thinking. So how are you able to help people to get them to discover where their true talent lies? Well, one of the things that I had to put in the standout and get hired was an online talent assessment because I found that if they are really going to choose wisely about careers or roles that play to what they're good at, the one thing that seems to soften the most is some language or nomenclature or indication of what they're good at and then a correlation of, if this is what I'm good at, here are the jobs that need that. So what I tried to put together in Stand Out and Get Hired is a, an online talent assessment that tells your performance style and four of your 16 talents. And then it says, if these are the way that you profiled, here are the careers that need your thinking. So even if you've never done this job before, you're naturally inclined think this way. So the example I generally show people is, look, if you're a sales-minded individual, if you're, if you're a people-minded individual, a salesman would be a great role for you, you frequently find that you are absolutely at odds with an accounting-type job or an IT job or an engineering job, just as you start to see that if you are a very detail-oriented person, that you love the precision, that uh, reading and educating might be something that's uh, one of your hobbies that your passions frequently indicate the things that you're also really good at, that it starts to point you into understanding yourself, and then a key piece of stand out and get hired says, if this is the way that you think, these jobs need your thinking. Jay, you've drawn reference to that this is important because of the intellectual workplace. Explain to our audience what you mean by the intellectual workplace and how is that different from the workplace from before? We used to, Seth Godin, a great Internet author, author and um, great blogger, says we used to, our economies have changed. We used to be farmers, and then we changed and we were manufacturers. And then, or now, most Americans don't make that much. Most of manufacturing is done over, overseas. So the economy that we have moved after the industrial age or the make things age, is we're in this intellectual or service economy. That's what we're in now. And the work that we did as employees in the industrial age where we made things, we made things because we learned a set of skills that we repeated over and over again, run the machine, you know, work on the shop floor, make the product. It didn't matter as much whether we loved it or we were passionate about doing it, we could learn the set of skills and experience, and we could go ahead and be pretty proficient at the job. But then when we stopped making things, and our service economy now is one where the success of our business is in the relationship that our employees create with customers, that employee has to be good at what they do because they're right in front of a customer. So the more excited and passionate and dynamic and fired up incapable that an employee is in front of a customer, they now have the ability to influence value from the or for, for the organization, something that was very different. So the nature of work has changed. So we've moved from a skill and experience economy to an intellectual or a talent-based economy. And the talent-based economy says every job needs 
certain talents to be really good at it, and not everybody is great at everything. So fit matters. That's why, you know, one of the three things that a hiring manager is looking for is fit. They want to know what your talents are so you would fit into this job so that in the course of the day you're going to make great decisions and be successful with customers. So if you have a very engineering or an IT-type person who is now accidentally put in the role of a customer service person, you, you can imagine that both the customer and the employee are unhappy in that environment. It doesn't mean that's not a great person. It just means their performance talents are more about the precision and the data and the evaluation and the assessment of things than the interaction. So they're better fit for a job that's a little bit more detail-oriented and probably less social. You bring up an interesting point, because in my work with company leaders and managers, there seems to be a lot of frustration about some of their employees who don't seem to be thinking on the job. Is that what you're talking about? It is. There's a host of research that's a little bit complicated, but here's the simple version from my simple mind. In the course of the day, we make a certain number of decisions, and those decisions are hardwired into the way our brains develop. And your brain develops one way, and so does mine. So you and I see the world and process the world in potentially very different ways. That job is going to be different every day now because every customer that you deal with needs something different, done in a different way, at a different time, some more social, some less social. Some want to talk about price. Others want to talk about delivery. And that employee has to be a person who thinks in a way that could handle those situations, even even though there's really no standard anymore. So this is really the age of connection and customization. Connection, can that employee connect to a customer, and can they customize on the spot? And that's really different than what our employees used to do in an industrial age, where that was much more a following of road procedures, recurring procedures that were, were similar or didn't look for input and didn't change that much. And now our employees have to be up and excited and engaged and passionate about what they do because virtually every minute they're making an impression on a customer. And if they're the wrong person for the job, they're not that good at it or they're not that interested in it, that comes through. And, and, and what I generally tell people is, look, you're a customer too, right? So look anywhere in the last day on some service event that you've received, you're the customer. You can count on one hand the really great ones, and you can count on four or five hands the number of times you were not treated that well. And the first comment I generally tell my classes if I'm teaching or a company is, I want you to get, I, I want you to notice. In fact, I say, I hope I've ruined you. I want you to get in the habit of calling people on it. When the person is not giving you the service level to expect, you now know that person probably is disinterested in the job and probably is it, it, you know, it basically doesn't match what they're naturally good at, so they're bored. And when they're bored, they don't give you the best service. And here's the moment that that company, your company, needs to connect with a customer. And when given the opportunity to connect and move them to loyal, they don't. They disconnect and aggravate the customer because the wrong person is in the job. We're talking with Jay Forty and his new work, Stand Out and Get Hired. Jay, I can imagine some people in our audience listening to this that it's going to be a paradigm shift for them, meaning this is not what they typically are used to when applying for jobs. But I also like to think that skills and experience do play a part when you're looking for a job. So how do those tie together with what you're saying? 
No, that's, that's a really good question. And it doesn't mean that skill and experience isn't important. It's just that it's moved down on the list of important. Skill and experience show a hiring manager your talent in action. So if you say that you are a really detail-oriented person, then the things that you've done can indicate that. Remember we said that the three things that a uh, hiring manager really wants, they want, they want to see what your talent's about, in other words, that you fit. They want to see how you perform, and that's what we're talking about now. Show me, I now know what your talents are, how did you use them? And that's what skill and experience is about. And then the final part of that says, when you use them, did you add some value? Now, this may say, look, I was, you know, in a customer service situation in a, a retail swimming pool store. Well, most people would say, then I need to go back to retail swimming pool. Well, really don't. You, you don't. What you need to go back to is a, a uh, relationship-oriented position that puts you in front of customers because you're intrinsically good at that. And you can show any other uh, company in a sales role, in a customer service role, in some kind of connected role between customers and, and you, how you have made a difference in other companies, even if the role wasn't exactly the same. Because what you were naturally good at was the ability to connect, diffuse, or inspire and engage, or make loyal customers. You can learn any industry. The ability to connect, to be dynamic and uh, uh, comfortable with people is something that either you're hardwired to do or not. Or as one of your other guests has talked, Jeff Colvin talked, that sometimes talents are misperceived as, as overrated. But what he does do is indicate that that you have to have this deliberative practice. The more you, you you practice at things, the better you are. But the reason why you practice is that you're naturally drawn to it because it's one of your talents. So it says, my guess is, there are some aspects of your job that have indicated or shown your talent. That's the experience you put in. You don't write down everything that you've done. That's confusing. You only put in the pieces that support the talent that you know the job you're applying for needs. And that way you can show the, the, uh, the talent manager, the, the hiring manager, look, here's what I'm good at and your job needs that. Look, here's how I've used it. You can see I can do it. And then the final part is when I did it, here's the value I offered to my other company. I can do that for you. And now all of a sudden the process of applying for a job isn't so... So, uh, so challenging because you apply for the right job. You're confident because you have all of what it takes and you can get a hiring manager's attention for all the right reasons. Jay, what's the first step a person should take if they want to go down this road of identifying their talents and getting those aligned with the opportunities they have out there? The first thing that, that I recommend to, uh, to people and people that I work with is you've got to do a little bit of soul-searching first that says, uh, what are you good at? And be honest about it. Like I said before, it's not the time to be humble. What are you really good at? If you don't know, and many of us, because our talents are so hardwired into our head, we frequently don't even know we're good at something. It's just the way we see things. That, that frequently a talent assessment is a really good way. And there's Myers-Briggs or Strength Finder. I have one out on my website. Um, there's this. All of these tools are available to help you um, create the, the language, the nomenclature, so you can understand yourself. 
to know what you're good at. And then the thing that I happen to like most about the work that I did in Stand Out and Get Hired, it says once you know that, you need the link that says what job needs that. And that's the hard part. How do you look at a job and say, okay, in that job, and you know, uh, law enforcement or, or uh, administration or IT or journalism and blogging, you know, what, what talent should you have in order to be good at that, and should I consider it? So, so I ask people to, to do these two things. Identify what you're good at and use a talent assessment if you need to. The second point is to identify what you're passionate about. And what you're looking for is the intersection of those two items. Here's what I'm good at, and here's what I love. Okay, now that you know that, what jobs, what careers, what roles would let you do it day in and day out? And if you've got a chance to do it, not only would you be good at it, but you would also be uh, passionate enough about doing it that others would notice you. So, Jay, if someone wanted to take your assessment, the website they would go to is what? www.livefiredup.com. And the reason why I made this a downloadable resource, Stand Out and Get Hired is not a book, it's a downloadable resource, is that when you, when you go into it, it has the research that explains some of this. It brings you directly to a talent assessment. And then it brings you back into the research and said, now that you know what you're good at, take a look at the careers that need it. And it has one more thing that, that I haven't seen anybody else have, and that's the reason why I recommend it all the time. It then has a Word document set up with a talent-based resume. It throws out the old feeling experience look, and it gives a brand-new look that is driven by what a hiring manager wants. The top section says, here's my talent statement, here's my actual talent, and here's my feeling experience that supports my talent. And there's an example. If you can go to the website, uh, you can click on the uh, employee and job seeker section. There's an example of a talent-based resume there. So that people can see that's what gets people hired. You know, if, if you're a hiring manager and you're completely overwhelmed with three or four or ten times as many resumes, online or, or hard copy, you know, some hiring managers that I talk to say things like, look, every third day I just throw everything out. I, I, can't, I can't handle the volume. But if I saw someone who would give me what I need instead of all this other stuff that doesn't make sense, then... That's what gets my attention. And our success rate with this talent-based resume has been very good. It's a little bit different. So there's a cover letter that comes with the program to introduce it to say it's not what you expect, but the world isn't what you expect. And because of that, what I'm giving you is exactly what you need. In other words, I've done your work for you. I've shown that I understand your job. I'm a good fit for it, and I've shown you how. And if you got a resume that had that kind of information, the, this is what moves you to the top of the pile. Our guest is Jay Forty. We're talking about his new work, which is Stand Out and Get Hired. Jay, is there one question today that I should have asked you that I haven't asked you yet? Um, yes. <laughs> here's, the one, here's the one that seems to plague people. How do you stay optimistic in the process of job hunting when there are six people looking for the job that, the, for the one job? There are six applicants for every job that's out. So the odds are not in your favor. If you're doing, and this is what I tell them, if you're doing the same old, same old, if, if you're going about 
your approach with a skill and experience-based resume, and you're right. It's, it's, it's really hard to be upbeat because you get rejection letters or you get no response. So to me, that says change it up. You have to own the process, and you have to be upbeat and dynamic, and you have to put the extra effort in. If you apply for jobs because you hate applying for jobs, then it will be very hard for you to win somebody to believe that you should be hired. But if you change your mindset about this, that this is, I can do this, it's fun, I get it, and you know what, in the process, I have a much better understanding of me than I ever had before. You can't help but become more optimistic, saying, look, I'm a really good catch in these things. I'm not great at everything, and that's why I'm going to apply just for the jobs that need what I do best because I'm competitive. And once I start to do that, I start to get much more positive feedback back about my resume. I get in at least for an interview, and now all of a sudden the job searching process isn't quite so daunting. So how do you stay upbeat? Tell yourself you have to stop using yesterday's approach. Use a more positive and powerful approach based on today. The, the one line that I use with my classes when I teach them is, when you went to bed last night, the world changed. And yesterday's version of job hunting is different than what today is for the reasons we spoke about. You know, it's, a co companies need different things from their employees now than they used to need. And the way to get a job is to know that is to know what that job needs and to apply for jobs that are truly a good fit. And when you do that, you're the natural choice. And you apply in a way like the talent-based resume, a hiring manager quickly and easily can find out it is you. And when that's done, it takes the, the, the trauma of the job seeking process out. And to me, that's how I encourage people to be more optimistic in the approach of job Jay, what's been the feedback from people that have accessed your website and, and tried your method and gone through the process? Well, I have two. Um, I have a really high hit rate of people who actually use the process and send a resume in. Most of the time, a hiring manager will look at it and say, God, what is this thing? And then they get it. And um, so, so most people get, get noticed with the cover letter that says, I know up front this doesn't look like what you normally used to see, but I'm trying to make your job easy, and already you've got them on your side. That's, that's one. I've also had a number of people who have said to me, you know, this is harder work than I thought it was going to be. I thought I could just use a new resume, put some other information in, and send it out to 100 people, and somebody would say yes. And for those people, all I can say is that doesn't work anymore because everybody else is trying to do that too. So for you to stand out and get hired, means you must show your fit, you must use your resume to get great attention to it and prove you're the fit, and place the things that are in line with your natural strengths and talents. Uh, so it, it tells me right away how serious you are about it. It, it is tough to find a job today. And the reason to put this, this resource together was that in the process of helping managers look for the right people, wouldn't it be great? if it were easier for managers because job seekers were applying for jobs that made sense so that there were a partnership in the process of hiring the right people, using the right talent-based resume, asking the right questions, and for managers being clear about the talents needed in any job, then all of a sudden the process of hiring the right person and getting hired into the right job 
is a far better and far more partnership-based approach. So it's almost like people partnering together to make each other's jobs easier. <laughs> the person hiring so, or the person looking for the job. But, but isn't that what it is? I mean, isn't the goal of hiring and being hired that each of you choose the right place for your performance to fly? Isn't mm-hmm. that what it is? So as, as an employee applies, they shouldn't be applying for jobs that they're not a good fit. And there's a reason why you don't get hired. You're not a good fit. You're not a good investment. I mean, isn't the, the, the real nature of what hiring is, is that a company says to a candidate, for this money, I expect a return. And that company is trying very hard to get the most return for the money by putting the right person in. But the person is saying, day in and day out, I've got to do this. And why would I do something I'm not good at, it, I'm not good at or I don't love? Because I won't be that great at it, and I kind of hate it. And, you know, Gallup stats say 65% of employees do just enough so you don't fire them. The reason for that is most of the time the wrong employee is in the wrong job, so the employee is not excited. So think about the performance you could get if they worked with you to choose the right job for them and for you. And I think at some point in time we will get to that point because the process is so painstaking for both sides now that if we could change it and force, encourage, let me throw the word, throw that word out. Let me encourage, because you can't force HR people to do anything. Let encourage HR managers and hiring managers to go at the process in a more partnership way and educate job seekers to do it as well, meet halfway, share the right information, then the placements are good. And then people are not changing jobs every 18 to 36 months in a good economy. Uh, and then the right person actually is in the right job, and they kick in a tremendous amount of value for the company because they're hired into the right role. Our guest is Jay Forty, and we're talking about his work, Stand Out and Get Hired. Jay, once again, if people wanted more information, what website would they go to? Uh, Jim, they'd go to www.livefiredup.com. Jay? Thanks for being on our program. My pleasure, Jim. Great talking to you. This or other BizTalk podcast may be downloaded by visiting our website at www.biztalkradioshow.com. Or you can subscribe to BizTalk through iTunes. If you want to learn the strategies how to take your sales force to the next level, you can contact the Performance Group at 800-550-9509. Or visit us on the web at www dot pmgllc.net